Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Today's message is it's kind of like a couple of simple thoughts that I want to bring to you. Open your Bible with me to Mark chapter 6. And, um, you know, I could tell kind of all week that the Lord wanted to do something different this Sunday. After doing this a while, I, um, I start to learn sometimes uh, when, that the Lord wants to take the meeting kind of in a different direction. And I, so, listen, so much has been happening. I just encourage you to come out to the prayer meeting. So much has been happening because we've been praying a number of weeks ago, I mentioned this last week, I believe, that we had hit a wall on a number of different fronts, and we had the congregation pray for parking, for favor, for provision, for expansion, and we cried out to God in the prayer meeting. And, um, and you know, praying is kind of like when I was a kid, there was a game called uh, Tip the Pot. And uh, I don't know if they still have that game. Well, they probably don't because there were no video games back then. And um, so you, you put these beans in, and then at a certain point, you know, the last, I don't know if you won or lost in the kingdom you win because you put the last bean in, that bean is the one that tips the pot. And prayer is kind of like that. You, put, you pray and you pray and pray, then all of a sudden you don't know what's going to tip the pot. So we prayed about five weeks ago, six weeks ago, and I just believe that that moment, that prayer that we prayed at this altar as a church, it tipped the pot, and uh, we just closed, uh, not closed, we just executed a contract on a parking lot that's a block and a half away, which we first had, and then it, we lost it, so soon we'll, we'll have another extra, an extra 80 parking spaces soon, could we praise God? Um... And a number, of, a number of significant things, we've received a couple of um, checks towards um, expansion endeavors and ministry endeavors, just awesome things. And we've been praying for two years for the city to release uh, over $50,000 that was held up in, in taxes that it belonged to us. And after prayer, finally, it got released this past week. God has been doing so many things. Can we praise God? And we don't have the time to get into all of it, but God has been reminding me, and I need to remind you that we are called to pray. Amen. And so what we're going to do is pray today. Today we're going to make this uh, somewhat like a Tuesday night prayer meeting. I need to speak briefly so we have time to pray. And I want to say this up front. We're going to pray for the church first, and then we'll pray for ourselves afterwards. Is that okay? And, um, you know, my, my son uh, is kind of helping with the leadership of the youth ministry, and uh, he's kind of one of, the, one of the people that are speaking to them. And he spoke this past Friday, and he was saying this to me, and I want to say that then get right into this word, but he was saying to me that this was one of the first times that he preached. It hasn't been a long time, but it was one of the first times that he preached that he said it really wasn't for the kids. It was for them because how many know the word of God is always for us? 
But it wasn't just about them. It was about God. And sometimes, and this is a, a balance that we leaders have to, we've got to strike this balance. We have to preach to your felt needs, but we have to preach to encourage you to focus on the glory of God and to focus on Jesus. And so today, we're going to do a little bit of both. We're going to pray for his church. We're going to pray for his purposes, and then we'll pray for ourselves. Uh, amen? amen? Okay, so um, in, in Mark chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading. It's the end of the chapter. It's just a couple of verses. Uh, I'm going to interrupt the, re the reading to explain to you what's really happening here, but we're going to start, and then we're just going to make a couple of quick points and pray. So, uh, beginning with verse 53, Mark 6:53, it says, uh, "When they had crossed over, they landed at, uh, <laughs> you know, I was saying this like a New Yorker, and my wife corrected me, and now I'm afraid to say this word." Gennesaret. I was saying Gennesaret, like a New Yorker. Right? Gennesaret. No, it's not Gennesaret. It's Gennesaret. Okay, so when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Everyone say Gennesaret. Very, very important. It says, and they anchored there. Now let's pause here. And um, I want to focus for a moment on Gennesaret. This is important to us. In fact, the title of the message today is Gennesaret Now. Gennesaret now, because we want the same thing that happened at Gennesaret to happen here. But when you look at this passage of Scripture, there is a lot to this word. The Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed, and every verse of the Bible has meaning to your life and to mine. Now let me put up this map so you can see uh, where Gennesaret was located and what was unique about it. So if you go back in the beginning of Mark uh, chapter 6. He actually starts in Nazareth. This is towards the beginning of uh, uh, his ministry. And uh, um, one of the things that happened in Nazareth is Jesus goes to Nazareth and he's rejected there. Okay? And, and um, people don't think about Jesus being rejected, but Jesus was rejected. He was rejected often. Okay, so he goes to Nazareth, he reads in the temple, and actually in the house of God, he was rejected. And this is where you get the saying, a prophet is uh, uh, not without honor everywhere except in his what? In his own home. And they're like, this is Joseph's son, this is Mary's son. We know who he is. Who, who does, how can he claim to be who he says, even if he is doing miracles? So he's rejected in Nazareth. And then if you follow on with the chapter, what happened, uh, brothers and sisters, is that then he sent his disciples out, not in Nazareth, but in that region there. And he says, go and preach and heal people. And they start to do that. And then someplace in a remote area, over 5,000 people gather to them, and then Jesus does a miracle where he actually feeds 5,000 people. And he does it with just a fish, a few fish, and a few loaves of bread. He, 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 he takes it in his hands, he blesses it, and there's an incredible miracle that takes place. Now, after that miracle, south of Tiberias there, we don't know exactly where, he says to his disciples, I want you to cross over to Bethsaida. Everyone say Bethsaida. 
Okay, so they started at Nazareth, then he says, go over to Bethsaida. But what happens is, is there is a bit of a storm on the water, and uh, I guess they were blown to the left, uh, uh, towards the left, and then this is the, the chapter of the Bible where Jesus actually walks on water. How many know that story where Jesus walks on the water? So Jesus walks on water. And he gets into the boat, and instead of landing in Bethsaida, they land at Gennesaret. Now, how many, how many believe that Jesus knew they weren't really going to Bethsaida? How many know Jesus' Doppler radar system is way better than whatever we have? Amen? He's the beginning and the end. He knew where they were going. Now, what's interesting about Bethsaida is that over, later on, Jesus would rebuke Bethsaida and say, woe to you. He would say, woe to you because you won't repent if the miracles that were done here were, uh, that were done here were done in another place. They would have repented, so woe to you. And he ended up rebu rebuking Bethsaida. So this is a very interesting thing that's happening here. Let's pay careful attention, okay? In Nazareth, they didn't want Jesus. In Bethsaida, they didn't want Jesus. But Gennesaret was a place that Jesus loved to go to. Gennesaret, Gennesaret was a place that Jesus loved to go to. Now, before we keep reading, okay, let me talk about this for, for a quick moment. So, why Gennesaret now? Why? Here's why. It's because we need to understand, okay, that it is possible, it is possible to have Jesus visit you, right? And it's also possible to have Jesus not visit you. It's possible to be appealing to Jesus and to draw him so that he wants to come to you. And then it's also possible not to want Jesus to come to you. Even though you're gathering. They were gathering in Nazareth. You see? In other words, brothers and sisters, it's, this is an amazing, simple statement. Not about God, okay, but about people. Because there were people that Jesus wanted to visit, but they didn't want him to visit. You see, now in Gennesaret, you're going to see momentarily, God does amazing things in Gennesaret. Let's read uh, 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 very quickly here. Let's read this, and then I'll put up that next, the, the, next, the next picture in a moment. But look, it says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was, keep going, and wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. In the ESV it says, and all who touched it were made well. Now, why go back, a, go back a second? 
Go back. It says, it says, as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Now, why did they recognize him? They recognized Jesus because Jesus had been to Gennesaret before. You see, Gennesaret was the place where Peter was called. Jesus stepped into the boat. And even before Jesus stepped into Peter's boat, uh, and, and, and told him to go out and cast his net out after he had been fishing the whole night. Guys, stick with me. The introduction is the, is the gist of all of this. So uh, w- when he went out on the boat with, with, with Peter and, and James and John, they had fished all night. They caught nothing. But then Jesus said, cast it out now. Cast out your net. He says, all right. He cast it out. There were so many fish that Peter had a revelation that this is God. And then that was the time when he said to Peter, listen to me. Listen to me, Peter. You're going to become a fisher of men. Now, this happened in Gennesaret. And even before that, I have a little, uh, I have a, an image here. Even before that, God was working on Peter's life because the, uh, before, we don't know exactly when, before, if you see those trees on the top of this picture, that is the Sea of Galilee, which is called the Lake of Gennesaret. And that is the shore of Gennesaret. And this was Peter's mother-in-law's house. And the Bible records that Jesus got off of there, he walked into this house, and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then shortly after that, while Peter had gone out to fish and come back, Jesus stepped into his boat. You see? So the reason why they recognized him is because he had been there before. And not only had he been there before, but he did great things in Gennesaret before. You see? You know where great things happen? Great things happen wherever Jesus visits. And what I want to pray is that this church would be a place where Jesus visits over and over and over and over again. How many would say amen? You see, we are incredibly aware of the fact that there's nothing that any human being can do up here unless Jesus visits. But see, there are places where Jesus visits, and there are places that they don't visit. And listen, there are a lot of churches that they're having church, but, but Jesus is not visiting. If you read the book of Revelation, you read the seven churches of the book of Revelation, not every church was inviting Jesus. You see, so what does that mean? It means that some places are hungry for him to come. Some, pa- some places are longing for him to come, and they're anxious for his presence to come because they know if Jesus comes, people are going to be touched. Lives are gonna, people are going to be called. Lives are going to be changed. If Jesus comes, amazing things are going to happen. If Jesus doesn't come, nothing happens. If Jesus doesn't come to this church, it doesn't matter who stands in the pulpit. Doesn't matter who leads in worship. If it's not the presence, the manifest presence of the Spirit of the Most High God, it's God or nothing. We need to understand. Listen to me. Listen, for your life and mine, it's God or nothing. So, but not every church is hungry for Jesus to come. And that's why we should pray. Can I tell you something? This is an interesting thing. I want to give you an observation I've made. If the musicians could come, I'm going to make the points and we'll pray very quickly here. I want to make an observation. I've been in the ministry 25 years. 
and I've done a lot of weddings, okay? There's something that I, w- it was, I was puzzled by this for years, and then God began to show it to me. Because I would go to certain weddings, and listen to me, when people get married, it is a sacred thing. It is a vow before God most high. And we pastors, we take it seriously. And, not, you know, it's so funny. Preaching a message sometimes is easier than doing a wedding. You don't want to mess it. You don't get the people's names wrong. There's videos and pictures, all this formality. The girl has prayed her, thought about this her whole life. And, and here's something that I've seen. I've seen, listen very closely, I've seen certain weddings because of the couple, because all they want is for God to be glorified in the meeting. The minute we pastors open our mouth, it's like God comes down. Then other meetings, we pray just as much, we prepare just as much, and it sound, I feel, I have felt like I'm talking, it's like my words have nothing, boom. And you know why? Because the wedding is not about Jesus. The wedding is about partying, it's about drinking, it's about doing all the stuff that people do in the world. And wherever Jesus is not honored, you can't have a sacred wedding and then an unholy rest of the night day, you know what I'm saying? So we're not talking about weddings now. Thank you for those little claps, but we'll get into that on another day. Here's what that means, guys. Here's what this means, okay? Please listen closely if the musicians can come and play. Here's what it means. People come to church and they come to Christ. They come to a meeting hoping for the anointing of Christ to come. I hope that you came because you, you want to experience the anointing of God in this place. But what people don't realize is that many times... The plus or minus on the meeting, it wasn't the preacher. It wasn't the singers. It was the people. Because wherever the people were not really hungry, wherever the people were not really desperate, wherever the people were were not willing to abandon themselves to the Son of the Most High God, then the Bible says that even though he was the son of God, even though he was the most high, the, the, the one who would rise from the dead in power, the one who could speak to the sea and say, be still, and he, could, and he can speak to a, a, a tree and cause it to shrivel up and, and speak to Lazarus while he was in the tomb for four days and say, Lazarus, come forth. That same one because of an absence of faith and hunger and desire for him. The Bible says he could not perform his miracles. So what this passage of Scripture shows, guys, is that Gennesaret is not automatic. But we want to pray, Lord Jesus, we want Gennesaret now. We want you to come. Visit our church visit our city. Listen to me. If you got challenges in your family, there's only one answer. Okay, maybe there's things that are blocked in your life and you gotta, you're hitting a wall here and then hitting a wall there, hitting a wall on the left and hitting a wall. How many know Jesus is the wall buster? He can break every wall down. He can make a way out of no way. Hallelujah. What do you have to do? You have to invite him. Gnasser it now. And I want to pray today, guys.
I want to pray. Maybe you've never gone to a prayer meeting, so we're going to bring the prayer meeting to you. First thing I want to do is I want to pray for our church. I want to pray that Chicago Tabernacle, which as you, I don't mean this like Chicago Tabernacle is better than any other church, right? I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying we as a leadership, we are desperate for Jesus to visit us. Okay, part of the way you choose a church is you got to be in line with the vision. You know, you know why you should come to this church? Because we're hungry for God. Amen? That's why, because we're hungry for God, because we're going after God. So let's look real quickly what happens, and then we're going to pray. What happens when Jesus is revisiting a place? Well, number one, when he revisits he calls new people. Everyone say new people. In this verse, it says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. Okay? This was not the first time he had been there. And this was not the first time he was in a boat by the seashore. We know, I've already mentioned that very quickly to you, we know that it was right at this same place Okay, in this same area, may have been the same spot for all we know, that Jesus actually stepped into Peter's boat. And now this guy who I love Peter, and here's why I love Peter. I love Peter because he has foot and mouth disease, and God still used him. I love Peter because he denied the Lord, right? At the, at the darkest hour, he, he abandoned Jesus, and Jesus still forgave him. You know, and, and who would think that 50 days later, the person that Jesus picked to preach the first sermon in the New Testament was the very guy who denied him. How many are thankful for the love and mercy of God who can use us over and over and over again? That's the one. And so he stepped into the boat of his life, and because he stepped into the boat of his life, Peter had no idea what was happening. But we want to pray, God, revisit us, because there's a new Peter in here today. How many know there's a new Peter right in here today? I was thinking today, I have a picture of a beautiful family in our church. Could you put this up real quickly? I, I just, this is random. We have so many. I could have put up so many beautiful families. This is uh, Robert Lee and Tiffany and their beautiful kids, and, and uh, they've been at our church. Is he here? Is Robert here? He's not. There he is. Robert, stand up. He's, I call, we call him Mr. Bowtie. He's always looking sharp. Amen. Look at him. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. So look, real quickly, very quickly. So he came here nine years ago. He was, um, had an abusive childhood. He was full of anger and cynicism. He had a Muslim background. When he came here, he was living with his girlfriend. His girlfriend knew the Lord and said to him, we got to get right with God. And she brought him to church, you know. And they started to come to church. And when he sat in the church in the beginning, most likely did it just to honor her, you know. And, uh, um, uh, you know, guys, remember, one spiritual person is all it takes. One spiritual person is all it takes. 
And so she said, no, we got to go. We got to do this right. And they went. And then I don't know what happened at a certain point in time. He has a meeting with Pastor Matt. And Pastor Matt finds out that uh, uh, um, he's living with his girlfriend. He said, yeah, man, you got to get married. And the whole deal, he said, oh, okay, you know, the whole deal. Three weeks later, he runs into Pastor Matt. Guess what? He says, we're married. Just took care of business. How many would say amen? Some stuff you just got to take care of business. Started to grow in God. Started to grow in God. He's an ex-con. Just recently, the Lord has been blessing his life. He does like a phone, a phone meeting uh, in the mornings with like 25 guys. They all get on, a, on the phone line and he shares the word. This guy who was cynical, this guy who walked into our church and probably needed that hug. Hallelujah. Now in the mornings, he's got 25 guys on the line. And he's opening up the Bible. He's sharing the word of God, and they're praying together. He just got a job. He landed a job with General Electric, which being the next con and getting this job, no way. And God is blessing what he's doing, and he's testifying wherever he goes. Hallelujah. God is able. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Powerful things happen when Jesus steps into the boat of someone's life. But we have to pray for it. We have to say, Lord, Gennesaret now. Come, Lord, visit us. Lord, there's a lot of places you could visit. God, would you visit this place? We want to see with our own eyes, God. We want to see the next Peter. We want to see the next Peter, Lord. And listen, that's not just for the pastors. You know, how many know that's for all of us? I hope, I hope you pray on Saturdays. I hope you pray during the week. If you think about Sunday, I hope you pray, God, would you visit your people, oh God? Not just the service that you come to, but the other services. We have three services here. Because the Lord is ready. Do you realize he's always ready and willing to visit? But not everyone wants him. But how many of you say we want him? Look at the second thing real quickly, and then we're going to pray for our church. When he revisits, people are inspired to bring others. The Bible says as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. And look at what they did. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. You see, when God visits a place, when he really visits a place, then the people of God have a place to invite people to. You see, if people, if people come here for sermons, they're going to be sad. Okay, they're going to be disappointed. If they come here for choirs, they're going to be disappointed because that can't change anyone. You see, that can't change anyone. But you know what does? That when your back is up against the wall, it could be a parking lot. It could be a parking ticket. It could be whatever it is. All we know how to do is say, Jesus, come by your mighty power. And how many know when Jesus comes, he moves in power. Hallelujah. Well, listen, wherever that's happening, then something happens in the people. And they're inspired to bring other people. I want to pray that for our church. You see... One of the things, we, we encourage you to participate. We encourage you to bring people. But well, here's what we know. We know that you won't bring people just because you should. 
You know what will make you bring people? If you know that Jesus is here. How many want to pray every time the doors of this church open? How many would pray with me and all of the leaders? God, every time the doors, of, every day that the doors of this church open, Lord, would you visit? Come on. Sometimes you pray for yourself. Sometimes you pray for other things that are bigger than you. Take the hand of the person next to you. Even if you're a visitor, pray with us today. Okay? Come on. Let's just take a couple minutes and let's pray. God, would you visit the church, oh God? Visit your church, oh God. Hallelujah. Come on. Open your mouth. Engage. Engage today. Learn how to pray. Engage today and say, God, we're hungry for you, God. God, make this a place, Lord, not like Nazareth, not like Bethsaida, but like Gennesaret, oh God. God, visit us. Visit us with your presence. Visit us with your power, oh God. Make this a place that people are drawn to, that people want to come to by your mighty power, oh God. Move in power, God. Visit us, oh God. Draw people from the highways and the byways, oh God. Visit every service. Visit our children. Visit the youth ministry. Visit the young adults, oh God, who are going to be meeting tonight, oh God. Visit us in drama practice, oh God. Every meeting, visit the ushers. Visit the parking lot attendants, oh God. Visit our children, we pray, oh God. Visit us by your mighty power. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, this morning I ran into, I get here on, on Sundays around 6 o'clock and about a quarter to 7 I ran into a sister. Her name is Vanessa. She said, hi, Pastor. And, and I didn't really know her. She's been coming to the church for about nine months. She says, my name is Vanessa. And we talked for a couple minutes. And she said, Cortez, my brother, invited me. I said, Really? Yeah, he invited me. And I said, uh, and then I do the calculation. Wait a second, you've only been coming here for nine months? You know? And you're already here at a quarter to seven? I said, you're serving? She said, yeah. I said, when do you start serving? She said, two months in. I just locked in. How many want to pray that the presence of Jesus draws people and they just lock into his will for their life? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a brother uh, ushering Emmanuel. He comes all the way from a long, long drive in Indiana. But, but is, it, is it anyone? No, it's just Jesus. Amen. Just Jesus. Then here's the last thing. And then we're going to pray for this. We'll be on our way. When he revisits a place, people experience the touch that makes them well. It says, and... Wherever he went. Everyone say wherever. It says wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countrysides, right? Or the city of Chicago, or the suburbs, right? Wherever he went, they placed the sick 
in the marketplaces. They begged him. That's part of the way. You know what? That's a form of praying desperately. Okay? We pray desperately. We knock. And we keep on knocking. Okay? The Bible says Jesus, during his days on the earth, he offered up loud cries and tears. You guys, you guys pray too loud. Oh, no, we don't. No, we don't. If your life was on the line, if your baby was sick, if you were in the jam, if your son was in prison, you would want someone to shout and to cry out and to knock on the door of heaven until the answer comes. Hallelujah. 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 Paul said, I travail like a mother giving birth till Christ be formed in you. And you, if you've been on one of those floors, huh? Right? So, this is they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gennesaret, now. Lord, revisit our church again. You see, wherever Jesus goes to, Wherever Jesus really visits, he releases his power, and people receive the touch. They walk in with abuse, and they walk out with joy and peace and healing. They walk in with cancer, and they walk out cancer-free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is still in the touching business. He's still in the healing business. Marriages walk in broken, full of anger and bitterness, and they walk out free, full of love and joy and peace. But that's not a church that's comprised of people. That is a church that has the presence of the living God visiting and attending. We need to get desperate for Jesus to visit because we need the touch that makes us well. That's what we need. We need the touch that makes us well. Can I see, how many believe Jesus still touches people? And when he touches people, he makes them well. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. With our hands raised, could we sing that by your spirit? By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time in your presence. And God, I just pray, Father God, that Lord, as everyone goes from this place when they get home, I ask that you would visit every home. That they would have a unique sense of your abiding, manifest presence. In every home, oh God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're a God who not only reaches, but that is reachable. Thank you, Lord, that you touch us and you transform us for your glory. Bless everyone as they go. And may the favor and the joy of the Lord be their strength. And everyone said, amen. Come on one more time. Hallelujah.